Mon with Gnome Argov. I am still in Aspen. Gnome was here last week premiering her new short at the Aspen Shorts Festival. How was it for you? It was fun. I really like it. It was my first time at the festival, and it was probably one of the best festivals I've been to. So it was really fun. What makes it one of the best festivals? Um, I think it's like it's really filmmaker focused. I've been to I guess I haven't really been to a festival like that before. Like I've been to some of the bigger ones um, and it's nice where it's just short. So you're not like like a side thing that nobody cares about right. and you're kind of like the main. Event. Yeah. Um, But the I just felt like they put a lot of effort into like the programming and, and hanging out and stuff afterwards. So it just felt like you got to know everybody really well can you like describe it to people who you know who have who don't know the festival because it's very different than you know the average film festival experience even the average short film festival experience right yeah that's true i guess it's like it's like the day the schedule the day-to-day you know yeah <laughs> <laughs> the day-to-day is you wake up and you have time to ski if you like to ski or to just chat and lounge around and then at like three oh at two you can go to like a lecture at three you go to happy hour and or three or four you go to happy hour and then you just watch movies for like but happy hour by hours. the way happy hour is like everyone is there every day everyone is there. yeah yeah so it's it's not like like when I think of happy hour, like I don't know City, happy hour is like a lame thing that like, you know, weekend warrior people do that I would never like <laughs> like if, if somewhere has like a happy hour menu, I avoid that. Like I don't want to be there for happy hour. I don't care if it's saving me money. Like I want nothing to do with that. This is very different. Right. This is like gathering, but it's everybody. It's like there's like a hundred people or whatever, and they're yeah. all there every day. And everyone's there and for like an hour or two. It's it's awesome. Yeah, and there's good food. Yeah, I I think the big thing is like because it's like such a intimate setting and like there you're either like skiing or like running or you're just like hanging out in the snow or you're like a happy hour. It's like it's probably one of the only festivals I've been to where like you hang out with the programmers every day. Yeah. You hang out with Which is Jason show. Anderson from TIFF and and a few others, but, yeah. but you know, Jason being one of the kind of headline programmers. Yeah, and Lisa was there too. She's yeah. amazing. Um, and then the the jury comes to happy hour. Like the industry people come to happy hour. So it was like amazing. <laughs> I was like, wow, this is crazy. It's like this happy hybrid between like the big festival, like a Sundance where you go, where everyone is there for Sundance, but there's so many people. So it's not like, you know, so there's there's tens of thousands of people there. So there's no there's no continuity it's not like you're hanging out with the you know you don't get to know people it's just you go like everyone's just scattered and then there's festivals that are maybe more focused but they're in like new york city or new orleans or something like that and there's a million things to do and so if there's a hundred filmmakers there which which often there are they're not all like going to the same thing at the same time like tribeca you know there's no event one of my, you know, I throw a shorts event during Tribeca every year and it's like, it's the best because they don't really do one. Like, you know, there's just the, the short film things for Tribeca are all scattered. You know, it's just like, 
there's six playing and then there's whoever's there is there and like totally. that's it and and you know that's it so so when i get in touch with everyone and say yo i'm just catering to you guys like it it kills you know it's great yeah but aspen I, I is actually dedicated to yeah. that I get so stressed when it's, like, those festivals and it's, like, that feeling you're, like, at, like, school on the first day and, like, you're, like, who are my friends? And the same yeah. people don't even show up the next day. And this was really nice because it was more, like, summer camp than school. It's, like, we're all doing the same activity every day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. And it's quality. You know, it's um, they cherry pick from you know, from some of the best festivals and they premiere a lot of really good stuff. I would say it's right below, as far as, you know, the United States, it's right below a Sundance premiere as terms of yeah. prestige, you know. I think it's like yeah. Sundance, South by, Tribeca, mm -hmm. I don't know, you know, and then, and then you get into like the Palm Springs kind of things, but like Aspen and Palm Springs are kind of like in a category of their own. Yeah, the films were so good. And, like, I love yeah. some of the, sometimes you'll see, like, programmers do, like, it's, like, this is the sad block or, like, this is the comedy block. And it was really nice because, like, they have, like, one of everything. So you're, like, crying and then you're laughing and then there's, like, a weird animation. <laughs> it's, like, a roller coaster. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah, I try and do that with my programming. I try and create an arc kind of. Like it's like you're listening to an album and it's, yeah. there's like a song, there's a sequence, you know, and there's an emotional arc oh, for the audience. That. Yeah. I was talking That's to someone recently. Yeah. There's like someone who, um, I don't know. I think he hates me now, but like he, he's like, co wants <laughs> to co-host one of their reunion events. And he just, he sent me like, he sent me, you know, like some ideas and I I said to him, uh, I was like, these are, you know, I was like, this is great, but like, maybe we do half of these and something else. Cause like, frankly, these are all just like super white. And, yeah. <laughs> and, and he took me to be, like, he thought I was like being woke, like being like, right. oh, we have to diversify and representation and, you know, like quotas and stuff. And I was like, like no, 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 I'm not like that. I don't give a fuck about those things. Like, diversity is just like ideas you know like it was five of the same things the same tone as if it was like five kids in the same class like right doing the same exercise and they're they're different they're, you know there's like slightly but just the tone the 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 ethos was all kind of like it was just the same thing I, yeah. so th I that think i think is really important that. yeah yeah yeah, when you're, like, watching – I feel like when you're watching so many back-to-back, -back, like, you you really notice if things get repetitive. Like more it gets than very boring. Think. Yeah, exactly. You can't stay engaged think, with, like – especially because these things – shorts, they have a beginning, middle, and end. So you disengage yeah. from whatever the thing is, the emotional hook. Right. It lets you off at the end of the movie. And then if you go to another right. movie that goes for the same emotional hook, like that emotional hook is, is get you know, the, the, it's getting like your elastic is, uh, is getting stretched, <laughs> you know, it's gone. Yeah. And you're like, wow, I just lived through that five times. Yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of what it's funny. We live in this world where like, like when I said that to him, when I said that things are super white, like I, I, I didn't. I didn't mean even that like it so happens that I think 
five out of six of them were white people. Like one was black, but yeah. like it, white can be made by any color. <laughs> you know? Like when I say it, it's like, <laughs> I'm not even really saying that the person, I don't even care what the skin color of the person is. I mean, this is, you know, just derivative. I mean, it's just like straight, it's vanilla. It's obvious. It's, it's like, you yeah, know. It's that, um, what's that? Like, there's like that meme account, middle class fancy. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it is. It's that. <laughs> yeah. The stuff wasn't bad. It was just like very appealing to the same set of the same same kind of sense of humor. I don't know. Right. Which is, that's what was cool about Aspen too. It was like, there's just like movies from countries that, like I've never seen films from certain countries that like I saw in that festival. And it's like people have different sensibilities, sense of, of humor. And also like, it's interesting to see, oh, like who has the same sense of humor? And uh -huh. like, I would think that that's like an American sensibility or something like that, but it's like a movie from Cote d'Ivoire or something, you know, like things like that. And it's like, oh wow, that's really cool. Well, how did you, you come to making, you made a film in Kyrgyzstan. How did that, Oh yeah. how did that come together? Um, I was traveling there in, I was, I was obsessed with the like Mongolian empire in mm. college and like a big history nerd. And so I was traveling in, um, like Uzbekistan, Kyrgyzstan, Kazakhstan, and then Mongolia after college, um, with my friend. And I, when we were in Kyrgyzstan, there was like there were these rumors of this guy that people were calling like the Steve Jobs of Kyrgyzstan. Huh. And I was like, what's that mean? And like, they just meant he was like this like entrepreneur in this village. And he was just like a mover and a shaker and like everyone knew him. Um, and he was taking people up the mountain with like horses and then they would ski down. And I was like, oh, that's weird. Um, so I kind of, wanted to connect to him and became really interested in him and then kind of found this like deeper story about how he was trying to like transform his abandoned so post-soviet mining village into a tourism destination and was like very like come hell or high water about it um which i thought was really fun and so yeah that's sort of how it happened and then i went back a bunch of times after did you ski there yeah <laughs> it looks cool i mean i watched it yeah so it's very different than like skiing aspen you're just like going up a hill and doing a run it's pretty yeah, it's yeah. pretty awesome yeah it's great what's the status of it and now is it is it working yeah i mean i think they took a really big hit with covid oh yeah um so that was like a big thing, but like up until 2020, it was, I think the documentary made it even more popular, which was like Good. kind of what we were, we were also like not critiquing it, but we were looking at that too. Like, what is the, like, what is the cost of that? And like, but also like, who are we to say, you know, that was sort of the like exercise of the documentary. What is the cost of bringing tourists to this place, you mean? Yeah, and like Kyrgyzstan's a really interesting place because it was like part of all these global empires for centuries, right? Like it was part of the Mongolian Empire and then it was part of like Tsarist Russia and then it was part of the USSR. And then basically once the USSR collapsed overnight, they were like, you're independent, find your own way, goodbye. Yeah. And then like, and they hadn't been independent for like 
hundreds of years as a as their own country so it was like a really big shock for the population and emil the protagonist of the documentary like he says like people didn't even know how to bake bread you know and there were all these like crazy stories about not crazy but just like actually like really touching stories about the you know there being no infra economic infrastructure people trading like washing machines and just like different things that they had in excess because they you know maybe they worked at a washing machine factory and things like that so I think it was like it was really it's really interesting to to look at a place like that that's had to like redefine itself kind of from scratch and go back to like um in in a lot of respects like it's kind of like no what are its nomadic roots what are its like indigenous roots um that were like wiped out after a while and to sort of say oh I guess this is our nationality again and like what nationalism means to them now mm. that's a such a such a foreign I mean literally you know just such a such a different yeah. experience it's crazy. I mean, it would be like if somebody came and they were like, you know, New York's not part of the U.S. anymore. Like, figure your stuff out. And I'm sure like. Well, no, it w honestly, it, it wouldn't because New York would be like, OK. Yeah. New York would be like, uh, uh, so, w w OK, I mean, peace, like whatever. Since when did we even know you existed? You know, like New York would just be like, we're in New York. Yeah, whatever. Fuck off. Like. <laughs> But no, you're talking about like infrastructural stuff that New York is the best in the world with, or or, or someone could say the worst. Like our subways don't run well anymore. But like you know, that's a whole another. That's a that's not for lack of uh, you know. It's it's because we not for lack of trying. Yeah, it's like it's like oh, we have too much housing now because people are trying to build scarcity through their monopolies and like whatever. This is not a problem of like we don't have enough washing machines you know like and right. have to trade it's 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 like rich people doing dumb shit like very different <laughs> than the kyrgyzstan problems of like there's only one laundry we have to distribute right, right. that or like there's to not make... enough food right yeah. or like so there are only washing machines and no houses i mean it's <laughs> like it's it, it reminds me um it's very apocalyptic, you know, it's very like dystopian fiction where like either Lord of the Flies, like you end up on a deserted island and what are you going to do? You know, you have to build like society kind of, or you're in like, you know, that like that show that's on um, whatever they call the network now, MGM plus or epics or whatever it's called from oh. <laughs> with uh, Harold. Oh, yeah. And oh. they're just in this, um, there's like basically like vampires and they're just in this town like once you cross into the town, you can't leave. And they're all like in this together. And every night the vampires come and they have to like build society <laughs> around that. And that's like kind of what this idea of like Kyrgyzstan sounds like. It's like, okay, well, we've got 300 people here who has skills. Like, you know, what are, who's right. going to do the chairs? Like we need, who's going to build chairs? Like, okay, you're good. You're a great carpenter. You're going to build the chairs. Who's going to, you know, make the restaurant, like whatever, you know, all that stuff. It's rather romantic, honestly, you know? Yeah. It's like, I mean, it's, it's horrific. <laughs> I don't think it was romantic. <laughs> no, it kind of, well, I, I made a movie. I don't know if you've never seen any of my, any of my work, right? No, I would love to. Though. So I, I made a movie where, you know what, actually this part is cut from the movie. 
And there's like mm -hmm. this speech that I make in it where I just, I talk about, um, I talk about like when I was a kid kind of fantasizing about like just, just romantic ideals of like small town kind of, I grew up in New York city, but like I, in the longer version of the speech that, that got edited down, I talk about like being on a dessert, you know, having fantasies of being on a deserted island or being stuck in uh -huh. an elevator, being on a subway and looking at like how we would match up, like which girl I would fall in love with, you know, or the most, <laughs> like when I was a kid growing up in New York City, one of the things that I would always think about with my suburban friends was like, you have a hundred kids in the town, your age, like period. And there's like one girl that you just like, right you connect with you know you just know and it's like gonna happen right. and it's so magical and like doesn't happen today but like just you know one day and you just hold yeah. this space for that one person and like that is just there's nothing more romantic to me than that that's why the burbs is my favorite movie like <laughs> but like kyrgyzstan what you're talking about that's why i say it's kind of romantic it's like we're gonna figure yeah. this out together like what's cooler than like this is our home. These are our people. This is what we got. Let's do it together. Yeah. There's nothing. <laughs> oh, like I just, oh my God, I love that. And I, I think to their credit, they've done, I mean, you know, I'm not going to comment on Kyrgyz politics because I don't know enough, but I think, I think they have built a lot and like, it is really exciting to see like people like Re or, I mean, I wasn't there, you know, in the 90s or early 2000s, but, like, even just, like, seeing, even when I was there, like, seeing people, like, going back into their, like, traditional foods or, like, wanting to, like, show, you know, even just, like, speaking Kyrgyz when, like, Russian was the dominant language for a while or, like, wanting to show, like, foreigners, like, oh, this is how we used to live. Like, this is, this is, like, our tradition of horses. This is our tradition of, like, yurts and like no nomadism and like we don't do that anymore but like this is what our civilization was built on and like yeah. i think that's that's been really exciting too do i would recommend everybody go to kyrgyzstan yeah i was gonna ask do you do you plan to go back and do any more work there or anything like that people wanted us to make a feature for a while but i don't think that story was a good fit for a feature like i think we kind of wrapped it up in the short but I, I just think it's an amazing place with amazing people. And one of my closest collaborators, her name's Katya Mihailova. She's a composer. I don't know if you know her. Do you know? I'm not sure. Maybe. Um, but she's, she's a composer. She's worked on, she composes for a lot of documentaries. She did The Territory and Coded Bias. Cool. She's done a couple of things. She's Kyrgyz. And um, we always talk about maybe doing something together. So we'll see. Yeah, it's, I don't know, it's, it's wild, like, just different experiences like that come, you know, just the New York City experience there, is so great. small. It's like, my <laughs> friend does, like, a conference in Kazakhstan or something like that. He's always trying to get me oh, to go. Cool. You yeah. go. No, I would love to. I, I just, like, to need to find the, too. I just need to, like, if I had a reason, you know, I mean, I guess I could just go yeah. to go. Um yeah, it's just like, you know, it's 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 a bunch of money to 
and time to do a trip like that. So it's like, I don't know, it gets, you know, it's like five, $10,000 to do something like that, unless you're going to like backpack it and whatever. Like if you're going to do it the way that I, which is nice, (laughs) which backpacking it. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I, I've like done that, you know, I've like, I, I know. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like past that phase of, I mean, maybe, maybe I'll get the itch, the itch again at some point. I don't know. But like, I did it even most recently in like 2017, 2018, like that time, like I left my, the company I was at and just kind of like lived, you know, just like absorbing the world for a few years. And I would, I lived, I had a storage unit and I had a backpack and a suitcase that like I, that was for a while. And like, it wasn't planned that way exactly. It just kind of happened and I just went with it. And it was like a year where I didn't really have a consistent home. And I just went to like the coolest places. Uh, but I was like hungry for that in Where a way because I, um, I mean, I was in Japan for a while, South America, like a bunch of Mexico, a bunch of South America, um, like a little bit Thailand and China. Um, I was in Italy, like different film festivals, Amazing. Italy and France, uh, Switzerland. Amazing. I don't know. I was just like you know, just it. It, it wasn't like completely. It was never, I never like sat down and was like, I'm going to go explore or whatever. It was like one thing at a time, you know? So, and then it just, then like, it just sort of snowballed. And then if you look back, it was like a while that I was doing that. (laughs) But I never like did the gap year thing of like, because when I was younger, I didn't have, when I was younger, I, I didn't know how to do it. Um, I didn't know how to, mm. yeah, I wouldn't have known how to do it. And then I did it as a DJ, but I didn't, like, it wasn't the same. Oh, like, you go, DJ? yeah, I mean, I've DJed forever and like, I'll go somewhere to DJ and give myself extra time there, but that's different, you know? So yeah, yeah. if I'm going to Curious Town or something like that, I need like my stuff. I need to be able to continue working and like, yeah. I want to stay in a place where I'm going to like sleep well every night, like, you know? don't necessarily need like fancy just i need to like have things and i'm yeah i'm in that phase of life like i told myself i think i'm done doing hostels i can't do it anymore i can't have some like random like 17 year old throwing up on top of me in like a bunk bed like i'm I think I'm past that phase. No, I'm absolutely not doing that. I mean, I barely ever, I only did that a few times, even when I was young. That's what I mean. Like, even when I was young and my version of backpacking, I still didn't want to do that because I was like a spoiled city kid who, you know, I I didn't want to do that then. I did it in Israel for a little while, but like, yeah, yeah, I just, I did not like having roommates at any point in my life. So me neither. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I, I like I need my little like box. Yeah. Um, but the, the nice thing I'll say about Kyrgyzstan, if you do decide to go, is like what what I did the first time when I wasn't like shooting a movie there was like we had like a base in Bishkek, which is the capital, but then you can go on these like horse tracks. So mm. you basically like ride horses um with a guide or a group or whatever. And like you kind of go like you're hopping for a while and you go to these amazing That's places cool. and the Kyrgyz horses are like, they're basically, this is my like nerdy history side coming out, but they're like, they're smaller than, than European horses, okay. but they're like really strong. Like they've evolved, they're a specific kind of species uh, or breed hmm. or whatever. And they've evolved in this way 
that they're like they're really strong they can like sustain off of grass alone basically and they can like kick up ice to eat the grass under the like snow so they're just like the most rugged that's cool animals ever and they'll just go like vertical with you like up a mountain and then there's like a girl it's cool so if you go you should i'm sure there's no i would love to go because it's just another world you know it's so we are so far from like even like ukraine you know we have tons of that in the united states like we have like the stands we have no exposure to yeah i think there's like an uzbek community in brooklyn um, i've been to some of the uzbek restaurants yeah yeah exactly that's the only reason i know because i was like i want uzbek um but other than that yeah yeah it's wild Um, yeah, I would go there, and I would go to I would go to Uzbekistan too. Uzbekistan's amazing. Yeah, I mean, I'm ignorant. I don't know the difference between you know any of them. Uzbekistan is kind of like what you would imagine. Like, I mean, not just imagine, but like it was like original, like Silk Road hub. Like, it's it's got these like blue mosques everywhere, um, like tiles and like. Yeah, it's just like, it's like a storybook. It's like something out of like Aladdin, but they couldn't have even imagined it half as good. And the Uzbeks were like, yeah, like Timberland was like the guy. He like ruled the world for a while. So (laughs) it's like a really fun historical place too. So you're Israeli raised in Florida, living in New York at NYU? Yeah. Like currently going to NYU, right? Yeah, finishing my my trajectory was um, moved to the U.S. when I was two. You were born in Israel. I was born in Israel. Okay. Um, and then my mom's from a kibbutz in the Jordan River Valley. My dad. Whoa. My dad also lived on the kibbutz. Yeah, my dad lived on the kibbutz for many years too. They're like they're from the south. No, 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 no. The kibbutz was in the north. Okay. Um. They're from, my mom's from there, from a kibbutz in the north. And then my dad lived there too, but he's from Holon, from the center. Cool. Um, yeah. And then, so my parents were like hardcore socialists. <laughs> so my dad used to work in the banana fields. That was his, that was his task. <laughs> I love that. The kibbutz. Um, I love the yeah, lessons, yeah. Moved... Yeah, and when they, why <laughs> did they want to move to Florida? <laughs> yeah, I ask myself that too. Um, they, my dad got a job as a pilot with Delta. Um, okay. So he like studied to be a pilot. So we, my parents spent like all their money, which they didn't have very much because like kibbutz. So like every everyone has. It's all no shared, money. yeah. 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 <laughs> you don't need money. That's yeah, you don't point. keep anything. You yeah. just share things. Right. And so so my parents spent like whatever money they had on moving to US um with me. So my dad could um work for Delta and then two weeks after we got to the US he was fired. Jesus. And so we were so then we were like, but we didn't have any money to like get back. So we were like stuck illegally in the US, which was kind of a disaster. Um, and then my parents and met you were this too. immigration. 
I was two. Yeah. Wow. Maybe at this point I was yeah, three, two, whatever. Two. Yeah. Two. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, and then, um, yeah. So we were like, yeah, we had nothing and we were kind of like, um, stuck and like didn't have visas anymore. Cause once you don't have the job, they take the visa away. Um, so we were like, oh no. And then my, my parents met this like immigration lawyer shout out to Dan Adif um, <laughs> and, and he like helped them out pro bono um, and they basically figured that if you like franchise a company um, from Israel to the US then you can like apply hmm. for a visa at least that was how it was in the 90s yeah. and so my dad franchised my grandpa's travel agency and brought it to the US and that's how we stayed okay and that's that's like the business that they started and like ran for 20 25 years yeah Did, uh, <laughs> they don't do it anymore no oh my god your camera is like yeah, going I'm like taking the it off. it's that that, was so weird <laughs> yeah i thought i was gonna reframe it but it just it gets distracting and then, so, um, so you were raised, I saw that you wrote, you were raised around, like, in Orlando? Or... It, sorry, say that again? You were in Orlando, near Disney, you said? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, right by Disney. I love Disney. So that was crazy. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> yeah. Which is, like, I guess now there are, like, Disney adults, but I'm okay with that. <laughs> yeah, no, like, as part of, like, in that time period, I would, like, I flew to Orlando for, like, a week at one point and just got myself like a four day pass to just go to the parks by myself. Like <laughs> just like a thing to do. Cause I, I went to Shanghai like, Disney recently, right? recently, like a few years ago. Uh, I mean, not since COVID I haven't been pre COVID, but like, um, yeah, pre COVID. Um, but yeah, I flew to, I went to Shanghai, I flew to Shanghai to go to Shanghai Disney. Like I, okay. I went, I was in Shanghai for 14 hours total. And I just. And you went to Disney World. I booked my flight so that I could do that. Amazing. I mean, I've been to Tokyo I've Disney. Never, I was Shanghai Disney. Shanghai I've Disney, Disney best day of my life. Oh my god! <laughs> I want to know. <laughs> I love the. My dad says I have the Guinness Book World Record or whatever, according to my dad. So like, not factual. Um, of like most visits to Disney World. <laughs> love it. Yeah, but I love I Disney. I think. My parents used to take me there to like make me tired. Really good parenting trick. If you have the like uh, the season Florida pass. resident yeah. pass, it's like really cheap. Right. Yeah. Or it used to be really cheap. And then like my dad would take me there like first thing in the morning on Saturday at like 9 a.m. Yeah. We'd be there for like three hours. McDonald's, I pass out. <laughs> then That's they would it. have the rest I'm of the day. Yeah. It's <laughs> funny. Really good parenting technique to spend time with your significant other. Yeah. That's funny. So when did you get into Have movies? Um I guess I think because I like grew up in Orlando, like I was just like I like binged VHSs for a long time as a kid. Like there that's like that was my life. I was like really into TV. Like watching TV, watching movies, and everyone was like concerned because I wasn't reading. Oh yeah, <laughs> and I I think it helped me pick up English too and stuff. Um, 
Because at home, my parents spoke Hebrew with me, and they, they wouldn't let me speak English at home. So I was like, okay, I got to figure out English oh, wow. on my own. Yeah. <laughs> Did you go to, like, a Jewish school growing up? Um, Not at first, and then yes, and then I went to public school. So yes and no, yeah. But I, I did go to Jewish school for a while. Um, but they didn't, they're not like the, it wasn't like the New York Jewish schools. Like they didn't really teach us any yeah. Hebrew or anything. Do you go back a lot? <laughs> to Orlando? To Israel. Oh, to Israel. <laughs> or <laughs> I Orlando, like, I guess. <laughs> no, I go visit my parents. Yeah, Israel, I go back like every year. My whole family's there pretty much. Cool. It's just my, my mom, my dad, my sister are in the US, but every everybody else is there. So I go back every year. My partner's in Israel in Tel Aviv right now, packing up her place. The lease is up this oh, month, really? so she has a place there. But uh, I guess we're we're gonna get rid of it and maybe get another one or something. But yeah, where is she? Are you gonna get another one in Tel Aviv? Well, at some point, I think so. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, but like not at the moment. Um, we're just gonna. I'll be there at the end of May. She's there. She's there a lot. Been in, you haven't been in. I haven't been since yeah. pre-COVID, um, but she goes like all the time. Um, she's Israeli citizen. She's from New York, but she's an Israeli okay. citizen. Um, she's got a few citizenships, but uh, she's not That's wasn't born deal. there. Yeah, she's got a she, she's got the Holocaust deals, you know. I, I'm eligible okay. too. I just haven't filled everything out, but <laughs> my cousins just did that. I think they're like getting their portuguese citizen. right that's a good one i'm gonna get my austrian i i'm not eligible for portuguese but i'm eligible for austria we're both austrian so oh, i need to get like some there's like a boat ticket or something that my great grandma <laughs> you know saved from like her boat ride over from austria like back in whatever like I don't know. Whenever they were, oh, whenever they were killing, my us. grandparents still have their like Polish passports. So oh I wow! Wonder, I wonder if that. Well, I helps. mean, you probably could. I don't know. What is Poland's policy? I don't know. I never looked into it, but my my partner's Italian, so I'm just like waiting to get in on that deal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she said while this was being recorded. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's okay. He knows. He knows yeah. my plans. <laughs> right. <laughs> my friend, uh, oh. I talked to my friend yesterday and I hadn't realized, but I guess like, you know, there's people that you just don't because of COVID. Like there's like some of my best friends I haven't seen in five years now, you know? And like, I didn't realize yeah. that he like got divorced and he was telling me, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We just like rushed that marriage so that she could have her citizenship, but like didn't work out. And I was like, damn, dark. Yeah, that happened to a lot of friends of mine. But sometimes yeah. it does work out. I have a few friends who got yeah, married yeah. for the citizenship, and, like, they're so happy. So, you never know. Yeah. That's what my mom was All worried right, so... about when I was dating my partner. But then um, he got his green card without me, so he doesn't need me. <laughs> oh, that he needed U.S.? <laughs> she was kidding, though. But he doesn't, he doesn't need yeah. me. He's an electrical engineer, so he's... He's highly employable and he's needed. they want him here. Yeah, he's highly yeah. needed. Oh. That's good. Sorry, I Not a filmmaker. Nobody cares about <laughs> yeah. filmmakers. 
not even the film industry, <laughs> not even film festivals that take the name film out of their festival title. <laughs> Wait, who's doing that? Tribeca. Oh. You know, it's not it's the Tribeca, Tribeca Film Festival. Festival. Yeah, it's Tribeca Festival. What? For a few years now. Yeah. It's like oh. the greatest offense that I've ever known. Like, I, it's so upsetting. <laughs> I take it so personally. <laughs> we should write them a letter. <laughs> I've talked to them about it. I've said it like every time I talk to anyone from there, I bring it up. I'm like, yo, I'll what do they handle say? that part. I don't know. Like, what could they say? It's more like I'm like, I'm like half joking, but like, you know, so that it's not like a direct attack, but you know, it's terrible. It's so, it's so sad. But you know it's interesting like you have you know you're like the reunion stuff like you you do you don't call that a festival though right No you call it screenings Yeah I just yeah events whatever What's the what's the desire to make it events versus like a festival Oh well, a festival is just something that is like a tentpole event you know in in a a couple days or a week or whatever um, and I just, you know, the, the difference is just doing them year round. So you can call it whatever you want, but just the point is that I do them regularly. Right. <laughs> and I, I think, you know, we will throw a festival at some point. Um, yeah. you know, I could throw a festival at any time. It just really means like putting a bunch of stuff together and doing a lot of press and getting, you know, peak attention. And I think mm -hmm. that I, at the moment, I'm more interested in growing things, you know, one step at a time rather than being yeah. like the centralized big moment. Um, but yeah, I, I, th I think it's also like th th that can be broader. We're talking about like the way that the industry functions right now, where mm -hmm. like Sundance, our biggest United States festival, that's, you know, one can, one can, uh, or take Tribeca, like, you know, Tribeca happens for a week and it's not even like the main event in the city during that time. Like most people don't know it's happening even when it's happening. So, yeah. you know, you, you wait all year for this big thing to happen. And really the takeaway from Tribeca is that you get to say that you premiered at Tribeca, but little happens during Tribeca. It's not the actual, the mm. social engagement of Tribeca is mainly for brands and for, you know, press. And mm. it's not for the filmmakers. It's not a development platform for the filmmakers. It is just, you get the movie into Tribeca and you are more likely to sell the movie. That's like, you just get more, you, it gives gasoline on your fire, which is cool. But the actual event of it is not, important like being at aspen with your film is more important than being at tribeca with your film getting into tribeca is really useful but being there doesn't mean anything so i'm kind of doing the opposite where i don't really care about creating like some kind of laurel for people to walk around with yeah. i care about creating the yeah. actual moment that is actually tangibly useful for the filmmakers right that whether there's a hundred people in the room or whatever number it is those people are actually engaged with the filmmakers who are present, who are the center of attention, who are being discussed, who, you know, are being criticized, being connected to things like that's what I want to build. And that is something that it is much harder to do once a year than it is, you know, right. you could do it 
sure. it, it, the, the once a year thing is more about attention um, and credibility, but creating the actual place for people to make those connections is something that's really important to me. I want to have that yeah. for myself. Me too. So that's, that's how I look at it. Yeah. Like having a place that's that, really you know, cool. yeah, I just, I just want you to, you know, like we've done a few things with NYU already and um, yeah, like to be, I've told the, you know, some of your, uh, get, you know, professors or admins or whatever they're called, but like, like, yeah, I told yeah, them, yeah. like I'm going to build a membership and I want to comp all of the NYU people. I want, I want to gift them memberships. Um, that would be huge. And I want to just create sort of like, you know, just a regular place for all this stuff. I want to co-host the showcases for the students and stuff like that. That do happen. They happen at Village East that and it's super amazing. cool. But like, I want to get them out to more people. You know, I want them to be an event that it's not just like mom and dad coming to see their kids, <laughs> you know, their investment, their $50,000 that they put in on top of tuition, you know? <laughs> I wanted to go to people who, yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> it's wild. I remember I showed at AFI and, um, one of my, one of my shorts yeah. was at AFI and cool. there's all these student films in AFI as well. And I was like connected right. with all of them and I'm talking to them and they, they were like, you know, they're spending like 150 K a hundred K on these movies. I'm like watching them. I'm like, did you just, did you rent that place? And they're like, yeah, you know, we had to do it, you know, to, I'm like, it's just why and these are these 20 year old kids, you know, and it's like, it's crazy. Like I went to film school too. And I used a Sony PD 150, like, you know, a handy cam, <laughs> like with a mini TV in it. Like, <laughs> and, you know, just like coming back, just coming back. So yeah. You were ahead of your time. Well, Inland Empire. <laughs> yeah. Great. Like all that stuff. But it's a very big difference from like, they're using jibs, you know, and, like, I mean, you, you, you know, like you, <laughs> You have jibs at NYU. Like I've I'm never like a Dana Dolly. Yeah, I've never used a jib, period. Like in anything. Like I just and it wouldn't occur to me to do it. I would never do that. Like I have a shot in one of my films that people think is a dolly shot. It's not it's not. It's a car. Like I don't even use stuff now. Like <laughs> and these kids are like talking about their like little like exercise thing that they did, you know, for the semester and they spent like fifty fucking thousand dollars on it. It's insane. I don't know. Yeah, it does it does happen. It's like it's really it's interesting because it's both, right? It's like you get the people who are spending like 150k, but yeah. then you get the people who are like are making a feature for like 4K yeah. and on on a like Sony handycam and then it's like it goes to a big festival and you're like, I don't know anything. <laughs> this is amazing. You get just as many emotional, you know, strong films with the 4K film yeah. as you do the 150K film. The, you know, everyone knows that at this point. Like, yeah. Yeah. The tools do not make the emotional connection stronger. Yeah. Absolutely. Was Sulam I, part I, of NYU? Go ahead. Yeah, it was my second year film. Okay. So now I'm in my third year. So that was my, it's kind of like the last film we make before we do our thesis. Right. So it's like a bit of a capstone type film. Yeah, they explained to me the second year one is a big deal. They tell us it's a big deal, yeah. Oh, it's not? Oh, that's what the stat, that's what the, yeah, that's what the administration's talking No, no, it is a big deal. Because that's what they were talking, they were saying <laughs> that, that if we co-hosted the second year, 
screenings that that yeah, no. made that into more of an event that was that was the idea that we were floating around it, it is a really big deal it's just like it's like everyone you know and everyone keeps telling you it's a big deal you like feel all the pressure you're like wow it's a big deal so i think a lot of us felt a lot of pressure around it because we were told it was a big deal okay <laughs> but it was no it was good yeah it's the second year one and it's like i guess like in the first year you probably know how it works we make like a silent film and then we make like a something called the spring narrative it's like three actors three locations i forget something like that um and then this is kind of the one where it's like go forth with what you've learned make a short you know okay yeah, so how'd you develop yeah. this one um like how did i think of the idea sure like where did it you know where did it come from how, how did, did you was it something that like you had in the works for a while or this is really weird. I'm plugged in on my iPad recording and it's uh -huh. a, and it's not charging. I don't know what to do. Like, I hope it doesn't no. die. If it dies, we'll just, I'll plug it in and we'll, to be, we'll, we'll, we'll start, start again. again. Exactly. Yeah. But it should stay recording. Um, yeah. Like, like, was it a script that you wanted to make before? Was it something you collaborated with student with, you know, other students on how did how it come together? Yeah, it wasn't, it was, I had a different script actually when I started kind of working on what I wanted to do for this project. And then it just got, that script got really complicated. And I was talking to my producer, Betiel, and I was like, I was like, oh, that other thing is really complicated. And I kind of, I wanted to do, that other script was also about like this memory from my childhood. And I, I told her, another story just like as we were like chatting about um being embarrassed of my my mom um like growing up and her needing me to translate for her and me like literally running away mm. and how like horrific that is and like to me now and that was and it's sort of like it's a story that I've told like a lot of friends in the past especially like when I'm with other like immigrant or like first gen friends it's like one of those stories where you're always like man I can't really I can't, I can't believe I like literally abandoned my mom <laughs> um but but also like I also remember how I felt at the time and so I I told my producer that story and she was like that's an amazing story and yeah. it's really simple and you should do that. So that's kind of how cool. the like inkling for the idea came about. Um, and then ladder is just like a notoriously hard word to say in English. If you're not a native speaker. <laughs> that's funny. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> and, and my parents have never figured out how to say <laughs> it and people always misunderstand them. There's other words too, yeah. but like that one always comes up so i was like okay let's let's do it <laughs> <laughs> what's going to be next for for the rollout are you going to put it online or are you going to do more festivals or what i'm doing more festivals i don't know I'm, i guess i'm not allowed to say or do, yeah don't say anything that's like gonna get you in trouble okay i won't say yeah anything. but I'm, I'm doing more festivals and then yeah hopefully it's a home for it online i like i'm really into distribution which is like such a weird thing to say no cool like, i mean i am too obviously tell me tell me I just about feel it like it's like in the i feel like with your director if you say that it's like saying like i'm into calculus or something it's no like, i mean i don't read it that way like i'm 
I mean, I say candidly, I'm like, you know, I care. I would, I would just make my movies all day, every day, if that were kind of an option, but it's not. So I put a huge emphasis. I put most of my time into exhibition and distribution. And yeah, those are, you know, the, I don't talk about myself as a filmmaker very much at all. I talk about the stuff I do in distribution. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I just feel like I've been thinking about this a lot. Like, I feel like, cause I, I really like like all kinds of art, like two dimensional art, sculpture, like whatever. And I really think like the audience is like the last piece that makes it a film like I and maybe this is like a maybe everyone's gonna hate me for this but like I I feel like the audience engaging with it is like the last creative element that makes it exist it's like if whatever like if a tree falls like if no one sees it it's like what are you doing and so I really really care about people seeing it like that's my like big I mean I want it to be good by my own standards, which are really high, and I never think anything is good for me. But like in an ideal scenario where I like my own movie, it's like cool. But then, like, I really want people to experience it. Like that's my number one thing. Um, so I like, yeah, I've been spending a lot of time on that, and I'm trying to like, I don't know if you feel this way too with your own art, but there's like always this balance of like, should I be making my next thing? You know. Versus, like, um, talking about my other thing. Sure. <laughs> and yeah. it's, like, I I find that really hard. And I've, I've tried to sort of explain it to myself by saying, like, there are times to be making stuff. And then there are times to be talking and showing what you made. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, like, trying to be at peace with that. But it's, like, it's a bit of a hamster wheel thing where you're always, like, oh, I should, I should already, I should be working on my feature. I should be working on another film. Um, but, but then if nobody sees this one, it's all for naught. So I'm trying to like come to some sort of balance with that internally. So what are your feelings on when you talk about distribution? Do you mean specifically on shorts? Do you mean, you know, the landscape in general? Like what, what do you feel? I'm into the whole landscape. I've been, I've been thinking a lot about shorts lately because it like changes so Mm -hmm. much like year on year to year. I mean, some some places like Short of the Week's been around for a while. Amleto's been around. Vimeo staff picks have been around. But when you get into stuff like the European distributors, some of those have also been around for a really long time. But like, I just think it's really interesting because there's like an American model. There's like a European model. And then like new things will pop up. Like we, for Kyrgyzstan, we distributed with MailChimp. Um, they bought our film, which was crazy. Um, they saw it in Atlanta at the film festival and they bought it and they were like the best to work with. Like it was awesome, you know? Wow. And, and that was like so weird, (laughs) you know, (laughs) like I just didn't know that they were into short films. How did that (laughs) come together? Nobody had been talking um, yeah, they just they saw it in Atlanta um, and they liked it. And their platform was like about entrepreneurship and things like that. And then it was crazy. Like they would just play it while MailChimp was like loading for people. 
<laughs> for them to like send their email templates and cool. then like i never got the final numbers from them but I, they were pretty high they've done a lot of stuff i remember they um during covid i think they put you know they they put south by southwest online yeah like yeah the whole thing i thought that was really cool yeah and they played and yeah it was they were they're really awesome and they were great to work with just like the loveliest people so that was like i just think things like that are interesting like a bit of a wild card yeah um and then HBO has been doing all those like initiatives with right. like people of color, like Asian black, you know. And so it's like interesting to see what pops up and like where you can sneak in. I wonder what all that <laughs> means. Like the, you know, the Disney one, the Amazon one, you know, the all these all these big companies now have their short film, you know. And, and I mean, you probably yeah. know and I know a few of the people who run them you know and commission them and stuff mm -hmm. and like mm -hmm. i guess just like what is the point you know like how are those are are, are people watching bite-sized halloween like is that a thing like yeah i don't i don't know i've never like heard about any of I these guess. outside of the short film ecosystem like like that guy i didn't i didn't get to talk to him much but the, the disney guy was here um i know the right. amazon people i know the hulu people like I, like I know this ecosystem because I work in it, but like right. I've never in my life came across any of these films in any other context. Like the Criterion right. stuff is is more I, you see like having the having your short on Criterion is like a badge of honor, akin to uh, being yeah, in you know that's a big yeah. thing, and I think people actually do watch those. Um, but all of these like. I think it's a wonderful thing. Don't let me don't let me come across as being a you know an anti. I just mean like no. why you know and and are they? I don't know. Like like you said, you never saw the numbers. Like Mailchimp bought your thing, and like Mail Mailchimp actually, I think is an outlier kind of because they do. I mean, they yeah. basically keep the lights on in the podcast industry. Like right. it's uh, yeah, they really they really do stuff. Like but these Disney yeah, things really and these. Care about like like Lena Waif's thing, my friends are the ones that, that that run that, and they do a wonderful job. Like some really cool films. I just like I would never know that it existed if not for like knowing these people through film festivals. I have I have two theories. Yeah. Okay, so one one is because so my Let Me Assist You, which I sent you my last film, right. that went on on Leto, and like okay. I knew about Omleto. I was an Omleto fan, but I thought I was just like. Like, like that's where one of the places you can distribute your short. And then as soon as I got my thing on Omleto, like a bunch of people that I knew, like not filmmakers from like people I knew from San Francisco when I lived there, they were like, all I do is like get high and watch Omleto. Really? And I was like, what? And they were like, we love watching shorts on Omleto. And then lo and behold, like that film got like 15,000 views, which like for me is really big. Yeah. And some of the films on there get uh, get millions yeah, yeah. of views. And like those are just, and like, like don't, don't read the comment section because there was like a war about my movie in the comment section. I think some of them had to be deleted, but like. Why? What was, was offensive? Drama. That movie was so like. What was the topic? Yeah. Someone, one woman was thought that I was glorifying cheating. Happens. So um, what? First of all, like, I mean, <laughs> like what? And then, and then people, oh.
You're back. Oh, we're back. Great. Yay. <laughs> Sorry about that. I hope it doesn't die again. I don't know what what's happened? I don't know why. It's like it's not charging. Wait, now it is. This so maybe it's like with the cord or something. Like I just changed the plug that it was in. It was in an extension and I just took it out of the extension and now it's okay, charging okay. faster than okay. like now it's on 2% and before right. it was going down. Anyway, um <laughs> Um, I forgot what oh, we yeah. were talking so, about. Oh. So people were mad about cheating? Yeah, people were mad. Like, that don't get me wrong. Were... I, I don't think cheating is good. I just mean like, you know. <laughs> well, the funny thing is I made it because my ex, like a couple exes ago, cheated on me. And so I was like, oh, like, I don't know. It, I was like, I want to try and empathize with him or something. Yeah. And then. And and then have an AI take over his life and make it miserable, maybe. And <laughs> and, and then this, yeah. So the, anyway, so there was a big comment war. But all this to say, that's that wild I, that there's a comment war about well, like random short film on the internet. Yeah. And then and then I went like and also it's like it's like my spring narrative like for NYU. It's like it's like wow, I couldn't even dream of, like, this woman being, like, it was such a thrill. I was like, oh, yeah. my goodness. Um, and so, yeah, so all that to say, like, I went deep into the, like, Amleto YouTube channels after that because I was like, let's, and, like, people really engage. Like, they are so engaged. And so I'm like, I don't know if that's true. I think Amleto does a phenomenal job of, like, getting their films out there. Um, and like they have a core audience that they've developed over years, but people like those short films and they're, and they're like, they're really watching them. Like they're mm -hmm. really, really watching them. And like, people were like, oh, this is a reference to this. And I'm like, no, it's not. But like, okay. You know, but like, it's like, so I was like, okay, people must still like short films and they're watching them. Actually, there's like some audience on there, um, that's like doing this um awesome so that gives me hope <laughs> so i wonder like the amuleto audience does that i would love to you know i i don't know if anyone no this is that can't possibly exist but like a venn diagram of like what are the cross sections of like amuleto viewers amuleto commenters subscribers whatever who like go to a film festival who go to the movie theater who watch something else by the filmmaker who like you have one movie on Amaletto, you have another movie on MailChimp, you're gonna, you know, Sulam will be on something, presumably yeah. something else. Like how many of those people actually like look up that filmmaker, whatever, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, is it just a passive sort of, um, this is a thing that, you know, a phenomenon that, we didn't predict or like, I don't know anyone who predicted, but right. we didn't understand what, um, how the internet was going to work. We thought mm -hmm. it would create this like engagement and this democratization of, of engagement. But instead it just became the radio owned right. by different companies. So it's oh. like Netflix is like, what, what, what is Netflix? Netflix is radio. I want to come home and I want to put on the Netflix, you know, that's right. what most of their, viewers are doing they are not oh. like you know what i'm saying that's like, true i do that too love yeah. is blind is my radio there you go it's a passive <laughs> it is like putting the, putting on what's what's on 
Channel 4 tonight. You know, it's what's on Netflix. True, true, So true. what's on Amaletto? Like, and they're just going through Amaletto and it's just playing on, you know, on on loop, on whatever, on sequence. Not, I mean, I, I, would, I would suspect, like, think about this. Another way to, I have a bunch of, I know a bunch of filmmakers who are on Amaletto. I wonder how many Amaletto watchers are going to reunion events. Yeah. I would imagine yeah. very few. Right. Right. And and if I talked to them, which I have not, I've talked to like Vimeo and people <laughs> like that, but I've never talked to Amaletto. I, I, I absolutely would love to, to find some kind of initiative to, to create that. But I don't imagine they would care. I don't know. Maybe, Maybe. they would. Maybe I'm totally cynical and just like, I don't know. I wonder if they're just like, I feel like they're. Yo, more now it's like, at 5%. What happened? Like, that's good though. Five is good, right? It went no, up. Yeah, I'm saying, but before it was dying while it was charging. While and now charging. in the last. Now I don't know what's going on. Anyway, sorry to interrupt you. I think it wasn't charging before. That's me. something, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I wonder, like, after I like was reading all the comments, like, I feel like maybe people, and like talking to my friends who like, get high and watch Amleto, I guess. But like, I wonder, I wonder if they're just like regular people who like want something to do and it's like, they're taking a break, which like, honestly, like way healthier. Like whoever these people are, like are probably single-handedly like sustaining our society. Oh, I think it's awesome. Like for like, someone who does not person? work in film to just be like watching someone's artistic vision. Like, Crazy. I think it's super cool. Uh, I'm like, thank God for these people, like truly like stay, stay golden, <laughs> but it would, it would be cool, you know, with everything, not to make this about what everyone's talking about, which is like the doom and gloom of theatrical, but like, I would be curious to your point, like what's, what's the like barrier or is there a barrier between like these people maybe watching like. 10, 10 minute shorts a day. Like maybe they do. I don't know. Or like at least watching like three, you know, while they're like taking a break from work or like trying to fall asleep versus like going to a theater and spending probably the same amount of time. I mean, the barrier is like having to go somewhere, but I mean, yeah, it's, it's, that's, you answered your own question. Like that's, that's the difference. It's a completely different, uh, you know, habit and, request you know um thing that they're looking for yeah. they're at home they are doing something they are most likely multitasking or looking right. for something to be they, they might be fully focused on it but for a window and right over there like like for me you know i do that i will um you know a palate cleanser kind of thing like i'll i'll do a cell i'll exercise for for Five minutes, 10 minutes, you know, yeah. stuff yeah. like that. Or I will watch her. Yeah, I'll, I'll literally do that. I'll, I'll like set time aside. Okay, I've got like my cue. You know, I have to watch a ton of short films, me personally. Like, right. and I'll set it usually like to be in that way where like I'm doing my day and then I'll like watch two in a row between calls or something like that. Um, yeah. Yeah. But like the going to the movies, the theater, that's a completely different like choice you know that's a right. that's a thing in my day that i'm setting time aside you know it's a half hour there a half hour back i'm going there i'm going to interact with other people you know i'm going to have to deal with like 
you know, what, whatever the AMC is, is failing at today, you know, <laughs> is, is my card going to scan? Yeah. Like, are, is the if sound I see one more working? person on their phone in a theater, I'm right. going to lose it. I was this close to losing it at someone last week. And like my, my partner had to be like, don't say anything. And I was like, okay, I really want to. <laughs> we've kind of lost, unless you're at a festival, we've kind of lost the ability to like, unless you're at a festival or like Lincoln center, maybe, you know, not even film yeah. forum. Cause film forums full of old people who will look at their phones and they'll like, they'll do this, you know, they'll like put it up right, <laughs> you know, really high up. Like Lincoln Center is probably the only place that you can get away with like telling someone to turn their phone off and not being like, like punched in the face. Yeah, that's my concern. I like I don't want to be punched. Oh, you don't? No, okay. <laughs> that's my concern in general. Yes, I was. I was like, yeah, your specific concern in this instance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. No, but what I just the last little point, like before we got sidetracked into theatrical stuff is like, I also I do think the streamers are maybe like tracking filmmakers and that's why they take shorts. That's my guess. Like, yeah. I don't know, because otherwise I don't really see the point, but maybe they're just like, oh, we can invest in this person down the road if we like them. Right. Well, I, I know that they're tracking for sure. I, j I don't know if they feel that they, I think Fox Searchlight is an example of a company yeah. that they buy shorts to work with the filmmaker later. So they can do a first look deal. They could do an overall. They could put a picture into, you know, a, a movie into development or they could, you know, so, so a baby step into a relationship with a filmmaker is giving them $5,000 to license their short on their YouTube channel, which they do like AV Rockwell, for example, who they right. lost, but you know, focus did yeah. that movie, but like that was, I'm sure searchlight was, you know, was in the running for it and whatever. I don't know what happened, you know, I've not, but like, I'm sure there's good reason. Um, yeah. but like that is how, or actually it's the same company. So they probably just transfer. I don't know, whatever, like Disney owns both of them. Searchlight the same now? Aren't they both owned by Disney? Are they, oh, right? Yeah. Yeah. Fox? I think. Fox Searchlight? Yeah. Fox, yeah. Searchlight for sure. But yeah, yeah. I Focus, I oh, I, I thought Focus know. was owned by Disney. You're probably right. All right. Whatever. No, but anyway, I don't know. They're both, you know, these like mini major independents that are owned by, yeah. by, you know, corporations. Um, totally. But uh, yes. Yeah, so I, I just mean, um, I don't, I don't know if like, I do think that is what Searchlight does. But I don't think that like Hulu thinks that because they did like Danny Goldhaber, for example, did a bite sized Halloween. Mm -hmm. But like, I don't think Hulu was like, they didn't like have a relationship with Hulu to though to then go give them pipeline or something like, you know, how to blow up a pipeline that just they right. brought that to Toronto and that went to neon. Actually, right. funny, it will be on Hulu then, but not because of that, not because they gave him a few thousand dollars right. for bite size. Like, yeah, they didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> I think if Hulu wants to give some, if Hulu wants to give, I know how he raised that money, like from private people. If Hulu wanted, if he had a relationship with Hulu because they were tracking him, he, mm -hmm. if anyone was going to get that, let's, let's put it this way. Like if anyone was going to be tracked by a streamer through those short film, you know, funds basically, and then have the streamer, you know, first in line to invest in the feature, it would have been Danny and Issa and, and them and Ariella. Right. 
because they literally had all of that and they had another feature right. under their belt. They were perfectly suited for that. And to my knowledge, that conversation never even occurred. So, because mm-hmm. I, I was, I remember I was with them when they raised that money and mm-hmm. they were certainly not talking about like going to the streamers directly. So I, I, I right. don't think that is happening. I don't, I think they feel that they can cherry pick whatever they want. Which, I don't think they means, need to. Which, what? which means they believe in, it means they believe in shorts. <laughs> well, yeah, it, it's almost less cynical. It's like, they're just doing it for some other reason. <laughs> <laughs> which is lovely i mean my brain doesn't work that way but i i think yeah let's try to be less cynical and say that like maybe they do just like love short films and they're like we want to contribute to the arts and like that's cool i'm into that i hope that's true i would say that it is a way for them to cover a lot of to to cover a lot of to check a lot of boxes when it comes to things like diversity and genre and mm-hmm. stuff like that like for very little money, they can make a lot of deadline hits with all the colors of the rainbow that they, oh. it's it's a lot harder to meet quotas, you know, diversity quotas and stuff with features that cost millions of dollars. But the shorts, I mean, they are all, all the shorts are very, all these programs are very diversity heavy. And I would think that that has a lot to do with it. That's interesting. I don't know anything about the like the quotas. They're not real quotas. I mean, like internally, yeah. they're, they're all visibility quotas. It's like they want to mm. be seen as allies of mm. everything. You know, they don't want to be seen as white people, whatever. Like the only but minority that doesn't get supported, doing it, is which is nice. At yeah. least, like, at least they're doing it. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like. Even if you want to be seen to seen a certain way, like at least because that is the thing with like shorts, like that's what I forget who I was talking to recently, but maybe a programmer or somebody was saying that like it is a way to get more like diverse voices out there or like just weirder stuff. Oh, like, definitely. That's, you know what I mean? That's, so, what, like, that, that's one of the best least, parts of shorts, period. Yeah. Right. So like at least it is happening regardless of the motive, like the we we can be optimists about it and be like okay they love film they love shorts and they're like picking really diverse slash like weird stuff yeah i'm I'm into that's not nefarious i'm 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 into that like if that's what it is great cool i hope it's yeah because it is genuinely (laughs) harder to invest like for me to argue I, i would not encourage these companies to invest you know tens of millions of dollars in things be just because of the color of the skin of of the people who are making it that i don't i don't i don't co-sign that but to invest tens of thousands of dollars in it yeah actually yeah and especially if those can be like proofs of concept of like because i think a lot of times like you know there's like a genre or something that like you think or people think doesn't really sell or like you know for example i mean dramas are a good example right like everyone's like, oh, it's so hard to like make money back on dramas right now and features, but there's a ton of like dramas and shorts and it's like dramas aren't going to go away. Yeah. So it is like, it is a nice way to like sustain a genre or like give like a platform to something or like a really weird style. Like, did you see that backflip movie at Aspen? Backflip. Yes, I did. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, yeah. uh, you know, AI thing. Yeah. 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 Like that would never be a feature, but that's oh, awesome. Yeah. And I like 
I want people to see that. I don't know what it is, but I like want people to see it. You know what I mean? Were there, they were all here, right? The people who made that movie? Uh, it was just one guy, yeah. He one was, guy, okay. Because I just remember yeah. in that screening, was that in your block? Was that the same one? Yeah, it okay. was in my block. They yeah. were cheering so much. Like, I, I yeah. <laughs> everyone was laughing. Like, I, I was I was watching that. I was like, this isn't really that funny. Like, like it was good. I liked it. I enjoyed it. But they were la like, there was a full belly laugh for every attempted backflip for 15 minutes. And I was like, yo, like, you guys got to calm down. Like, is everyone high? Like, I don't know. <laughs> It just wasn't that funny. It, it was entertaining, but it wasn't like belly laugh out loud. That's what he said afterwards. He's like, I see this as a horror movie. So the fact that people were laughing disturbed. Yeah. Me. I mean, it was. I, I get why. I, I laughed a few times. I was just like. I think people falling is just always going to be funny. Oh, people. Right? There's nothing funnier than people falling. Yeah. It's a fact. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna win every time. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's that's like such an awesome example of like, yeah, just like I want I like I feel like that film creates a conversation and is just like so weird and interesting and is like I don't know what genre to even put it in. Yeah. I guess it's like a documentary or animation. I don't know. Yeah, but, who cares? Like, but that's the thing. It's like maybe it has no like market value. And like if you were to pitch it around town, everyone would be like, get away from me. But like I'm really happy that movie exists. Totally. And it could probably like only exist in the short form. So there's like stuff like that that I'm like, okay, this is good. And like hopefully like like Hulu Halloween should pick that one up or whatever that's called. Because it's a horror movie. Because yeah. <laughs> that's the scariest thing of all. <laughs> Your movie's got, you know, horror undertones. Which one? Sulam. Really? <laughs> well, it's just, it's so horrible, you know, what the daughter must be feeling. Like, that's such yeah. a, that's such a horrific conflict, you know, internal conflict. Yeah, it's, it's been really interesting to see. I feel, I feel like now we've screened it a couple times and like, some people really side with the daughter and some people really side with the mom. Some people really side with the workers. Some people are like, I'm the customer. So it's 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 kind of been a really interesting experience where like, yeah, I keep getting the question like, oh, whose side are you on? I'm like, me, I'm on everyone's side. That's like- Yeah, I don't really side. I just think it's a tough situation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that I agree too. And I like, I feel like I, in general, I'm like overly empathetic, but especially with this film, it was like this weird um, process of like tapping back into how I felt during times like that with my parents and then also like tapping into how my parents must have felt and then tapping into how I feel now, how I'm like embarrassed of like what a little shit I was kind of, you know. <laughs> I want to, what's your how do you feel about, you know, Israel, like Israeli film, Jewish film? Wh where do you, what do you like? What do you, what do you think of the state of it? How do you think it's being brought to the United States? Ooh, that's a good question. I feel like, like a lot of Israeli TV shows end up getting adapted into American TV shows, which is like, and then you have like, 
You have different Israeli TV shows that have been on streamers. I don't know that, like, Israeli films are being brought to the United... Like, feature films are being brought that much. They definitely, like, do festivals, like, um, Ahed's Knee last year, which I love that. I did the opening for Ahed's Knee. You did? Yeah, Nadav is a friend. It's great. No way! At New York... We did it, we did it at my house, yeah. Well, he, he didn't get to come for New York Film Festival, so right. we did it later. We did a makeup date, and we did we had a, a party for him at my place, yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Because he, he was in France, and they wouldn't let him come for the, the right. premiere premiere. So I, I was at that premiere at New York Film Festival, but then we did the so party for it uh, whenever cool. he came back for, I think it was the Jewish Film Festival or whatever that was. Amazing. Yeah. I yeah, I just think I think he's so talented. That movie like destroyed me. Yeah. Like I don't know what was going on with me, but I was like crying for a really long time. Yeah. I sometimes like the more surreal it is, the more of an emotional reaction you have, which is kind of interesting. Um I also really like the Israeli film Foxtrot that came out a couple of years ago. Mm. That movie really affected me too. Um yeah, I think I think there's good stuff coming out. I think it's like I don't know I don't know what like my future is in Israeli cinema yet. Like the this project I did like kind of just based on my own experience so it like naturally went into that category and it was like really fun to write and direct in Hebrew, which I wanted to try yeah. and that was like really awesome. Also it's like better to give notes to your actors if like your whole set's American and you're like talking to them in Hebrew oh, yeah. so that was really like you don't have to like keep taking them aside which wastes time you can just like tell them their note um which was great um but yeah i don't know i most of the ideas that i have coming up for like features and stuff happen in the u.s um and are sort of outside of israeli cinema but i'm i'm open to it we'll see but um yeah i don't know i i feel like there's like so much I want to do about Florida, about... <laughs> Are you more a child of Florida or Israel? Oh, that's such a tough question. I don't, I don't feel a child of Florida. I'll, I'll say that much. I do not feel like a child of Florida. I grew up, I grew up in a really, like, Israeli household, and my parents never really integrated. So, like, okay. yeah, I think, I don't think I ever felt really at home there, like, even though I grew up there my whole life. Um, but then also, like, I don't I don't know that I'm, like, fully, fully Israeli. Like, I mean, I speak Hebrew fluently. I read it and I write it. But I never lived there, you yeah. know. So it's like, I'm I'm no one and nowhere <laughs> or whatever. But I think there's a lot of a lot. I mean, of you're a New way. York Jew right now. Right now, yeah. Right now I can be a New York Jew. Right now I'm Seinfeld, you know. So, <laughs> yeah. Um but yeah, I don't know. I would I I think it would be interesting to make um a film in Israel or like with the Israeli um cinema like film industry um or TV or something like that and and one of my really good friends here, Yuval Shapira, I don't know if you know him, but he's he's an Israeli director and he's super talented and I really like working with him, but I think I think it'll it'll just depend on what I just do whatever I feel like doing next. So cool. Next, next is America stuff, but we'll see what happens down there. So yeah. So what is next? Well, um, to do my thesis. Do you know what it is yet? Is, 
Yes, I have written it. It's about a girl with long curly hair (laughs) whose mom makes her wear her hair in a bun every day to school. And she's like a social outcast. And then one day she takes her hair down for one of the boys and shows it to him. And then he tells all the other boys and then they start this like game, which is kind of like a pseudo child's prostitution ring where she like takes her hair down for all the boys to try to become more popular. All right. I'm excited kind of, to see it's it. Dark, but it's <laughs> yeah. So that's the thesis. Cool. Um, yeah. So, and then I'm, I'm working on a feature too, but I feel like until I have a solid first draft, I like, whatever I say about it now will just be like trash and I'll be like I didn't mean it (laughs) and are you working a lot as a producer because you had those two films at South by yeah I also I do that a lot too I'm I'm producing one more thesis in South Africa this summer so that'll be you're gonna go yeah I'm gonna go yeah I'm gonna be there for like three weeks amazing it's gonna be exciting um so I'm really excited about that. But after that, I think I'm going to, I'm trying to like take a step back from producing if I can manage to, to do that. And focus on directing. <laughs> yeah. Great. Yeah. I really, I really need to focus on making my own stuff. Um, cool. Yeah. And you want to be like, you know, split time between your own sort of narrative projects and like more work for hire, like documentary and commercial work exactly okay. yeah cool just because i gotta pay pay off everything yeah, yeah. <laughs> you gotta pay for that hundred and twenty five thousand dollar thesis film you know oh my gosh it's not gonna cost know, that I'm much <laughs> <laughs> not even close yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> I'm just, yeah i'm just trying to get a bunch of kids i don't know what we're gonna do about the hair if you know any curly haired girls let me know i know curly haired girls like, like to like play them little... to play the part. Yeah, I mean, you should just do a casting. But like, I do know curly haired no, girls. I like, I the thing is, like, like curly haired girls, like, like fifteen years old or what? Like thirteen, twelve. Okay. 12. I mean, no, she's too young. My my partner's cousin is like, she she jokes that we're twins. She's like got blonde. Oh curly, she's Israeli. She's got blonde curly israel hair and but she's like she's like four. <laughs> oh, okay yeah, yeah. that's what i <laughs> not gonna work Hope, hopefully it doesn't take me that long yeah. to make the thesis that she like, yeah, ages like a into baby. the role that would be um yeah. I, I don't know a lot of like 13 year olds in general like thank god like, you don't know what's in a 13 year but, That's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, it's like I shouldn't. So, you know, like my nieces are under five and, you know, I'm old. So there's no, I have no business knowing any 13 year olds. But uh, I don't know. You should do a casting. Like, like put a thousand dollars, you know, give, give Susan Chopmaker a thousand dollars, like, or, or Carrie Barden or someone like that. You know, they'll do it. Yeah. Like, like, you know, it takes them yeah, an I'm, hour I'm and they put out a call and you get, you get 30 people that fit the bill and, and they just, it's passive for them. And they're, they like doing that stuff because you know, that they are invested in the relationship with you and that's, true. it's totally worth it. It's also a wonderful exercise and it's like an investment for you to go through that with uh, like one of these amazing 
casting directors, but yeah, but go to one of the, Good go luck. to one of those amazing, you know, Paul Schnee, Carrie, like go, go to one of those amazing people who yeah. have been doing it forever. And just, they pulled out like the best people and give them a thousand dollars, you know, for not, not even probably like 500 bucks for one role. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it'll work wonders for you. It'll also show you so much about your own script, I think, which is really nice. Like, you know, getting different perspectives on it. And that that's what I would do. I mean, there's, there's like smaller yeah. casting directors. The thing is the smaller casting directors, like, like more niche ones, like they have to put more work in to get you options and and there it's like mm-hmm. a different relationship like for for someone like you know for for one for the bigger ones who are doing it like the sort of mid mid-range ones like the Barton and Schnees and the shop makers and whatever like they can just put yeah. it out on the wire and they'll get tons mm-hmm. of responses but like there's other people who are really great like like my friend Jenna Jimian's really good but like it it would take Jen more effort to do the same thing because she's more niche mm-hmm. So it would be harder for her to find, it would be hard. Yeah. It would be harder for her to do you the favor kind of thing like that. Like it's very, it's like a free favor for the, the mid, for the mid level ones, but for the niche ones, it's work. And I would go to a mid level one because you're basically getting, you know, they're basically doing it. Like it's, it's nothing for them. That's amazing. I don't know that much. I worked with I worked with a casting director on Sulam, but that's the only time I've worked with one, and they were amazing. Um, but I don't I don't have like we didn't for that one. We obviously didn't do like a really big. They like they very much like selected very specifically because it was like we need the mom, and then yeah, you yeah. know it was like a very specific. Um, well, but yeah, I'll I think you should. Uh, yeah, I, I think that they would totally help you out. And I'm happy to give you, you know, cool. give you contacts for those kind of people. Yeah, that would be yeah. awesome. Well, cool. Well, uh, we're going to we're going to screen for those still listening. We're going to screen Sulam on May 2nd next uh, week from tomorrow, Tuesday at Alamo Draft House, Lower Manhattan. And uh, this is is this your New York premiere? I don't know. You've shown it technically, but, but don't, but don't oh, yeah. say that. Like, <laughs> I, I shouldn't say that. Yeah. Like, yeah, unofficial. Cause we, we don't, I, I'm saying it more like, like this is the first time you're showing it in New York. Like, I don't care about like those kinds of, uh, I specifically don't, yeah, yeah. I always talk about like, I specifically don't put the, the names on the invites because I don't want, I want people to claim status for other festivals and stuff like that. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I it's outside of the halls of NYU. Yeah. Yes. So that's that's what's cool. exciting for sure. Well, I don't think people have seen it outside of NYU. I'm excited for oh, everyone to see it. Yeah. Invite all your friends Thank and you. uh I will looking forward to it and I'll see you in a week. Cool. I can't wait. Thank you so much for Thank having me. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah. And congrats on the premiere. Thank you. All right, talk soon. Bye. Bye.